You know what my favorite line on this song is? Uh, oh, this one? Me from a seance. Yes. Me from my past life. Did you call me from a seance? It's so uh, good. It's so good. good. How do you think of that? <laughs> so good. I, yeah. Uh, you doing well, bro? So passive I know. <laughs> I was like, for so long, I was like, this is like fuckboy anthem. Right. And then I was like, wait, baby, I'm the fuckboy. And then I was like, I'm really confused for identity crisis. Yeah. I was like, wait, what, who am I in this song? <laughs> it's really hard to know who you are in this yeah. song. Because I think we're probably both. Yeah. But then this part is like really heartbreaking. Hey, I'm Sam Bailey. Hi, I'm Fatima Oscar. And you're listening to the Hey y'all, this is Samantha Shroudy. Welcome to another episode of the Nostalgia Mixtape. Before I had a cell phone, when I'd invite my friends over to hang out or spend the night, it usually went something like this. I'd ring them up at their home phone number, make a plan, hang up, and then I'd go out in the driveway and play basketball or baseball to pass the time until they arrived. The day we taped this episode felt something like that. My producer Jason and I were hanging out on his front porch and talking, waiting for Sam Bailey and Fatima Oscar to arrive. Sam and Fatima created a show called Brown Girls that means a lot to young brown and black people. My friend Zaina told me she'd never seen anything that encompassed queer brown love like Brown Girls does. And she's right. Sam and Fatima made a show that's groundbreaking and important, and the future seems bright for them. Anyway, it was sunset, and I was eating a chocolate protein bar that Jason had handed me. Sam was the first to walk up. Her smile and laugh were disarming, and we quickly broke into conversation. And before long, Fatima walked up. And there we all were, smiling and waving down at her. And there was that childhood feeling again, that same excitement, only this time it was two people I'd never met before. But the vibes were friendly and warm and familiar from the very beginning. My friend Tara had recommended them to me as potential guests, and I really couldn't be happier with how this episode turned out. So, without too much pause, uh, Sam and Fatima, take it away. Um, Coolio. My name is Sam Bailey. I'm a director and a writer and a artist. And some good news is that um, uh, I just got a new mic for my karaoke setup. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, my name is Fatch Masker. I'm a writer um, and a filmmaker. And some good news is my friends Kava and Paige just got married this weekend. Shout out to Kava and Paige. Mm-hmm. Good job, y'all. They did yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, what song do y'all want to talk about today? Um, Nights by Frank Ocean. Yes. Wow. The OG. He's, simil- yeah, he's the OG in the new <laughs> That's fine. That makes sense. Yeah. No bitch in my body. Who beginning? Yeah. But then this part is like really heartbreaking. You know? Oh, yeah. It's like how it all Oh, you need the money Hey 
This is an album that's hard to just listen to one. You're like, well, yeah. that happened, so I should probably go back to the all the other. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like so. Um, I love Channel Orange so much, so so much. But that felt more like a collection of great songs, and this feels like a body of work. Mm-hmm. Like everything flows; it all makes sense yeah, together. It's like mm-hmm. a journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and Blonde has like. A really like special place for like I have a memory attached to it too like me and three of my closest girlfriends we took this road trip to Malibu for to watch a meteor shower mm. and so th- we drove like we started driving at like midnight mm. <clears throat> from here actually and um, we played we played this album on the way up and then I have like the secret sand dune in Malibu and so we climbed to the top and we put on um, self-control mm-hmm. and I think like I white Ferrari mm-hmm. and it was just us on top of this giant sand dune like under the stars and it was like it was just it was really sweet we all like yeah. cried together it was really sweet yeah. <laughs> I feel like this album came out while we were shooting brown girls mm-hmm. like at the end of it oh, wow. and brown girls like I have so much joy about that show but I was going through like some really shitty like professional and and personal things at that time Mm -hmm. and I remember sitting on like the porch of um in a neighborhood that I grew up in in Chicago and my like really good friend was going through like her first divorce like she was Mm -hmm. then we're like all around the same age and we were just like sitting there chain smoking cigarettes (laughs) drinking PBR and listening to this album on repeat like at nauseam I just yeah, that's like such a. It got me through <laughs> like August, September, October. Like that was this album on repeat. I'm trying to think what my entry point to this album was because I wasn't a huge fan of it at first. A lot of people say that. Yeah, like I, there, I was like, okay, like I get it, like a couple good songs. I started listening to it, like I made myself listen to it, like straight through a couple times. And on White Ferrari, there's this part where he like basically like, quotes a Beatles song. Mm-hmm. Um, part is like, Spending each day of the year. and I'm like, why did he throw that in there? That's so like he didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it just to me those little things that Frank does like give him so much more depth. Yeah, like. And I feel like also on this album, a theme that I kind of saw was like duality. Like there's like, you almost like meet two different versions of him on mm-hmm. so many of the songs. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. like on this, like this, specifically on Nights, it's like it's two different songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, like which like which parts do we relate to like in the lyrics? Yeah. Sometimes you feel like one part, sometimes you feel like mm-hmm. another. And on, oh, and on Nikes specifically, yeah. mm-hmm. he's like yeah. two different, different personalities yeah. on that song. Mm-hmm. And he like incorporates that, like that kid voice, that child voice. I was trying to feel like, why does this album feel like I've heard it before and yet also very, very new? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because like he used like kind of this like youthful voice that's mm-hmm. not the voice we've like come accustomed to listening to from him. Right. Um, and it was so much like smacked up against his like 
his adult voice too, mm-hmm. which I thought was really beautiful. Like it yeah. felt like a yeah, it felt like it was in my head the entire time. Yeah, I feel like also like with the kind of two dual voice thing, like I so I really attached to Blonde when I was going through a breakup and I just got like super obsessed with the album again and like mm-hmm. especially with Nights and just listening to it over and over again. And the thing that I feel about it was like you know, like, relationships are so complicated. And, like, one minute you f- you can feel, like, that first version of Frank where you're, mm-hmm. like, a little bit of that fuckboy. And then you can feel, like, the second version where you're just, like, I don't want I don't want conversation and I don't want people, like, to see me this way, you know? And I'm, like, late for everything and I'm, like, struggling mm-hmm. to get out of bed and I'm just really, really hard to do anything. And so and, – and then with, like, the kind of childhood adult voice, like, something I think a lot about Frank's work, especially in Blonde, is that – He's, like, an architect of nostalgia, right? Like, it's, like, not only the fact that, like, I can listen to that song and feel nostalgic for a period or a time frame, but, like, he's creating nostalgia in his work in a way that is, like, so deeply impressive and, like, really, really... And it feels like a deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I feel like I was just on another planet. wonder if this is what it's like to be Buster. Every night fucks every day up Every day patches the night up On God, you should match it, it's that KO No way lighters till I fuck my 28th up 1998, my family had the Acre What on earth was that? Yeah, Yeah, and it feels like when you listen to it, it feels like the same kind of feeling in your your bones that I feel when I listen to stuff that, you know, I, like, I remember listening to, like, you know, Back to Black, like, you know, Amy Winehouse, and that that feels like a a really nostalgic period of my life when I look back in that moment, but, like, like, Blonde feels that same way to me, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's, like, this pinnacle of kind of, like, marking this moment, and... Yeah, I listen to music really obsessively, and so I just, like, would have nights on replay over and over and over again as I was walking around yeah. listening to it. I mean, we just, it's so fun. We loved the album separately, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then it was, like, while we were out here, kind of dream. I mean, I, I guess, like, dreaming. I don't feel like, I feel mm-hmm. kind of corny and, like, not corny saying that, but, yeah. yeah. Like, we came out here with no, I didn't plan to move out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I came out here, and all of a sudden, everything was moving so quickly, and we we're pitching it and all this and premiering it and all that shit happened that mm-hmm. we would just like sit on my porch uh was Sarah this is my roommate <laughs> <laughs> okay right. uh, we sit on her porch and like just like dream what could what, what is could what ha- mm-hmm. like we both weren't really planning on doing this I think I was like really happy with doing indie stuff in Chicago and for my community and then this opportunity like opened itself to us and I felt like this album felt like there were so many possibilities and mm-hmm. and oddly also like pain. Yeah, because it's it, there is this thing, I think, I mean, going off of that, like there is this thing that people don't maybe talk about when like you switch from indie to more commercial production or you kind of switch in this way. There's a mourning that happens because like people treat you differently and like your your relationship to community kind of changes and your relationship to like home kind of changes and like where what it means to like be not from here right and so there's kind of a way that like that the album encompasses as sam is saying both like this real like sense of mystery of like there's so much possibility but also this like 
deep sense of like mourning of being like, oh, this is that that like I'm shutting a door on a time period of my life and a new door is opening. And like, that's a huge, dark, dark <laughs> difference that I I have just never heard people talk about. No, like, you know, people, I'm trying to talk about it more mm. is that like there's a lot of beautiful things that are happening. And like I said, doors are being open, but there's a lot of pain and depression and self-doubt that also uh, goes along with that. And I feel like no one really talks about that part of the story until right. someone's dead. You know? right, right. You know, it's like, actually, what like what was going on during that time? Like, people don't talk about, like, oh, you're getting paid, but you have to pay to get paid in this. But, like, it's yeah. kind of like very crazy, this, like, world that I'm, that I feel like we're straddling. Yeah, and I think, like, I mean, so for me, too, like, I wasn't planning on moving out here either, <laughs> and I was subletting, and so me and Sam were hanging out a lot together, but it was, like, this thing where I was supposed to be subletting for, like, a month and a half and, and whatever, and then... Me and my partner of four years went through a breakup, you know, and then it, and we were we'd been living together for three years, and it was like this thing about being like, cool. So now I'm I'm actually like cannot be in my home in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. So then I have to move, and and I'm and I'm like everything is coming with me, and I'm moving to LA, right? And um, so there's this real uh, there's this there's real pain and paradox in that because it was like a lot of people were like, oh my god, you're moving to LA, you're moving for work, you're moving for all the stuff, which is true. All of that is true, right? Um, and that's kind of like the superficial answer of, of why I left. But but then there's also these like things about, again, being like the spaces that you don't have access to anymore, right? Or the, the doors that shut kind of as on your journey with whatever that is. And I think that like the whole, you know, art making is a really intense process and career is an intense process. And we're kind of in this limbo period where like, there's a lot that could happen and there's a lot that also could not happen and there's a lot of weight. Like, I can see all these splinterings of, of different paths that we can be on and it's really, really overwhelming to kind of, like, sit in that feeling and be like, how do you, like, what, you know, how do you, like, get yourself out of bed every day and do the things that you need to do in order to kind of get that stuff done? Ah, 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 oh, you gotta leave, leave, leave Take down some summertime huh? glad um Fatima, you said that thing about frank's music sounding like nostalgic i mean i guess it's like that was the name of like his first tape right nostalgia mm-hmm. or something like that because like his voice does it's like this amazing thing where it's like it feels nostalgic but it also just feel like it feels so melancholy mm-hmm. and it's like no matter what he's saying like you get a feeling just from the voice itself mm-hmm. and it sounds like y'all were maybe having a lot of those feelings at the time this album came out and so it was like maybe the perfect soundtrack Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's come 
I mean, yes, I was going through that when the album came out, but then I was going through it again six months later. (laughs) 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 Different problem with saying fucked up feelings, and I think that this album has shown itself to me at each of those points since Mm -hmm. it came out, and it's been, like, distinct moments, Mm -hmm. you know? And also in in poetry, they say this thing about, like, a good poem is one that every time you read, you get something new out of, Mm -hmm. and I feel like... With Frank's music, that is so real, right? It's like yeah. every time you listen to it, you kind of can pull pull new stuff out of. And sometimes in music, like, music, you know, there's a lot of songs that I love that do not do that, you know, right. that are like, cool, I can listen to this, like, because I'm trying to get, like, I'm trying to dance, I'm trying to whatever, I'm trying to do this stuff. But, like, with Frank's work, there's kind of this gravity to it and this, like, you know, this control and, and like, uh temper of it that I just like I'm like every time I listen to it I'm like there's something new here's another line that I like previously had forgotten about or wasn't listening to or thinking and even just kind of the way he sings like it me and my friends were joking about this once when we were we were driving on our way to a poetry retreat and we were listening to Channel Orange and we were listening to um a song and we were just debating like what would it be like if someone were to bring in those lyrics into as a poetry workshop and like you know really thinking about some of that language because it's so lyrical and and poetic in this kind of gorgeous way and even the way he sings like he kind of line breaks it in this way that's like fascinating you know where you're like man like I I didn't you know the way he pauses you think about you can think about the words differently and stuff and so there's so many multiple meanings that you can kind of read from just the songs when you hear it over and over again yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was mesmerizing. <laughs> yes, and I love I just, I love his like complexity, like the complexity that he presents, and I think on he makes it like really clear on Nike's, May, and maybe this is just me and like the the what I'm bringing to the listening experience, but when he says um, R.I.P. Pimp C, R.I.P. Trayvon, like mm-hmm. to me that reminds me so much of what was that Jay Z line where he says I'm like Che Guevara with bling on. It's like he like he's like these two different people. Like Pimp C is like, I mean if I if I didn't love rap music so much I would be like this dude is like gross and misogynistic and all this stuff. But he holds such a special place in people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And Trayvon is like, like the his story is like almost. It's like pure innocence and innocence like being taken from you. Mm-hmm. And like to throw those two people up next to each other in the yeah. same line is like, mm-hmm. I think, very emblematic of who Frank is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's so funny. I don't ever think of that as the couple. I think of it. Um, R.I.P. Trayvon, that nigga just like me. That's what. Right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So I was like, not really. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was listening to it, but not listening to it, but also being like, yeah, while that was happening and we were asking him for music, mm-hmm. he does look like Trayvon. Right. Like, like, and that is like, right. that is hard. Like, and then keep mm-hmm. it pushing. I mean, I think it's really, I think that song yeah. hits me. Yeah, I think so too. And I, just the, what you were saying about like, the burden of like asking artists to be constantly producing or constantly outputting when like right. like that's what I think a lot when I think about Frank Ocean is the mm. way that a lot of Frank's fans have always been like where's new music or where's this because he's also he tries really hard to be private I think like you know I think kind of Frank Definitely. just like wants to make music and live his life and yeah. and there's so much pressure constantly to be like where's this new song new album new whatever and i just think it's like so interesting to kind of see that happen around him Mm -hmm. um and to see him like consistently release projects that are like amazing you know and just be like i want to know how he shuts out right all that noise yeah Yeah. also like if i were y'all and i knock on wood finish making 
an entire season of a TV show, if the first interview I did after that show was done, if someone asked me, so what are you working on next? I would be like so furious. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I just spent this yeah. whole time working on this thing and you already asked me what's next? Yeah. No. We get that question a lot. Yeah. We get, I mean, even like, you know, people while do, we were doing. Right. Yeah. And people will do interviews with us and they'll be like asking about Brown Girls, asking mm-hmm. about my book, asking about other stuff that Sam is working on. And then at the end be like, well, what else are you working on? I'm like, didn't we just spend an hour talking about what I'm working on? Like, There's a lot going what, on. Yeah. You know, like, what, what <laughs> yeah. do you mean? What am I working on? Yeah. Like, let me, you know, I, I think we we spent so long answering that question. Um, yeah. So that's that's something I feel a lot. And you get used to just like rattling it off. Like, I would never, up until, like, two years ago or a year and a half ago, would tell someone an idea that I had as if that's something that I'm going to make. Right. Out here, I have to do that shit all the time. Because they're like, oh, what are you, you have any ideas? What, what, is this a TV show? Is this a, script? Is this a movie? And you're like, um, I, I'm not sure yet. Like, right. the time that it takes to really fester and think of something and, and, and choose the way that you want to tell your story is not at this stage in our careers, a privilege that we get allowed. Right. I think that's something that probably happens to, like, older white men who have fan fanatics that get to, like, <laughs> go away and then come back, and it's so great. But, like, uh, we just have to continue to produce or else it, it feels like our uh, the door has closed, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. I really feel that. One of the other themes that I took away from Knights is, like, this idea of loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, or or Frank's idea of loyalty, mm-hmm. and I was wondering like where do y'all draw the line when it comes to being loyal? Ooh, I'm a loyal ass bitch. Me too. <laughs> I'm so fucking loyal. Yeah, like maybe maybe to like a fault sometimes. Um, but I'm like the same way. Yeah, it's like I don't trust often, but if I do bring you in, then I'm like hard for you. Like, and it mm-hmm. takes a lot for you to kind of break that trust and that support um where's the line man i think the line changes with every person and every instance and gets broken and built back <laughs> you know um i don't know if there's a line if i if i am loyal to you then i am probably very much so In Nights, what I think about a lot is the line of, like, everybody needs you and right. how that kind of comes across as an insult there, right? Is like, right. Or it can be both, like, insulting and, like, lovely and admirational all in the same song. And, like, mm-hmm. I know, I mean, so growing up, like, my high school friends, I had a close, close, close crew of high school friends and we're, like, all still in the same group text together. And mm-hmm. there, there would be this thing that would happen where, like, I some of them would get mad at me because they'd be like, you have too many friends. Like, you just, like, go off and, like, have, you have too many friends. Like, these bitches are not your real friends. We're your real friends. Like, why are you running around with all of these people, right? right? And in college, it was, like, similar where that that would happen to my, that, you know, but it was because I was a lot more extroverted and I, mm-hmm. I did that a lot more and then I just stopped because I got burnt out by it. Um, but but I think that I, what I've realized, especially, like, in my 20s is be, is, is exactly what Sam is saying is being, like, I actually, like, I love a lot, and I love, like, really intensely, and 
and I can sometimes be a little too trusting and then mm. and I've gotten burned and but then also I think that like now I'm kind of at the point where I'm like I if you yeah if I like if you work your way into my love circle like you are you have a seat there for forever right and like I believe in like loyalty to people and the and like the way that that kind of fosters community and like love is an active verb and and love is an active process rather than just kind of being like oh I love you or or whatever but to to kind of actively show up in that but it also makes me like extremely extremely loyal and also though like I think that you can be loyal and still hold people accountable and like yeah. I think you can be yeah. loyal and yep. still like yeah. you know and still like expect people to rise kind of yeah. in that in, the, in to be their best selves and that to me is like the best act of like friendship or love that you can do is be like I see you and I see where you want to go and I'm going to like hold you to that potential um, rather than kind of like let us all sit in our basicness right um, mm-hmm. so to me I think that's like what what I really love about relationships and love <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> shut up now <laughs> Like even though, <laughs> even though I think I'm loyal for better and for worse, um, I don't think I'd want it any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe it's the same for y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to have. I'm not, you know, close to my family, um, and so my chosen family and some of the, like, and that's like extended chosen family and all that. You mm-hmm. know, we're really, we really hold each other down, and that means that even if we do fight and hold each other accountable. Um, we can always come back to the fact that we love each other mm-hmm. and that's like the best form of love I've ever seen or experienced because I see these people who over the last 12 years have like grown, got married, got divorced, dumped people, did it, and yet still say that like this is the family that we're all going to protect and that to me is like mm-hmm. amazing. So that's yeah. why I think even if even when it's bad, I, I'd rather be loyal than, than not to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do people want at the end? What do humans want at the end of the day? Is it to mm-hmm. feel useful Hmm. I kind of feel like people just want to belong somewhere, right? Like, I think that there's a way that, like, people kind of want that sense of, like, feeling like someone else recognizes them or sees them or that they can kind of, like, just be and and coexist with people. I think, in in my terms of, like, humanity at its best, right? Mm -hmm. And so then spaces that I feel like are at their best are, like, what Sam is talking about, about these, like, moments of chosen family where you're able to be like this is who I am this is my full self and I like don't have to hide or censor any part of that and Mm -hmm. I can belong here and feel accepted for all of those things Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think then it is love in all those types of ways right like Mm -hmm. love of 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 a passion love of like your friendships romantic whatever that is whatever that's defined by for you I think people want to experience that both give it and, and receive it I think you know, like, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people's actions are based off of, like, fear of getting it or fear of losing it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's real. Did y'all maybe grow up with families that made it hard to be yourself? Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, like, I very much so feel like the black uh, sheep, but I mean, black person in my family. <laughs> <laughs> I am black. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> All my family members are black. <laughs> uh-huh. You gotta come up with uh, new terms. Yeah. <laughs> um, what color sheep are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's the pink sheep um, <laughs> in my family. <laughs> um, and I think I was constantly trying to find ways to exert myself and like be like, look at me, look at me, like like me. And I think that's like something 
that was very true to my experience up until I would say maybe even about like five years ago. Mm. <laughs> I feel like that's when I've gotten rid of that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I think that, I mean, I also have great family members. Like I'm really close to my sister Khadija and I have like some really great cousins that I love. But I think that overall I have like a pretty uh, tepid relationship with my family and it's like pretty, you know, estranged at this point, I think. Um, And yeah, and I think that like there was a lot of ways that I just felt really like I wasn't really able to be myself and, and then, you know, and that. And also, I felt like I also constantly was fighting for myself and, like, fighting for, for like, what I needed and, and small things that, that seemed so basic, you know? Um, and so – and I think that, like, also my way of kind of dealing with that has just been, like, cool. Like, I don't, I don't want to live a life where I have people in my life who, like, make me feel bad. And so when people make me feel bad, I don't want to be around them, right? And, yep. like, what that has meant is, like, there's a lot of family members that I no longer engage with. And it's just because – and it wasn't even, like, we got into blow-up fights or anything. It was just, like – a lot of that was just me pulling back and pulling back because I was like, actually, like, I don't feel good when I'm around you. And I would rather, like, us both live lives where we're flourishing separate of each other. Um, yes. That's kind of my, like, hoping mechanism of dealing with people who I who I think I'm not a good match for. It's just to, like, back out slowly. Yeah, it's like you got to, I mean, it's like for the sake of your own sanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, not healthy to mm-hmm. keep putting yourself in those situations. Was there music that got y'all through some of those feelings when you were, like, younger? Like, Mm. teenage years, college years? (laughs) I feel like I had a horrible taste. Well, I shouldn't say horrible, because I still respect these people. Um, You about to say uh, Lil Bow Wow? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, then it's gonna be fine. Whatever you say is gonna be fine. I was a big big Pink fan. (laughs) I love Pink! I love Pink! Oh my god, her music is so emotional. Misunderstood definitely got me through whatever grade I was when I got, that came out. Mm-hmm. I think it was like eighth grade. I mean, I don't know. I was I was a big NSYNC fan. TLC. TLC guy. I always say TLC taught me how to be a woman. Okay. Uh, I feel like, yeah, TLC, because I have two older sisters too, so like TLC and Son Pepper was playing in my house. Yeah, and then like, for sure, like NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I love Ja Rule and Ashanti. Like, I love them so much. And yes. um, Name a better duo. Nobody. Oh, my God. Not, <laughs> a <single person. laughs> Not a single person is a better duo than Ja Rule and Ashanti. Not a oh single person. God. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Trill? No. Not a no. single Jay-Z, person. Jay-Z, Beyonce? No. No. Nope. Not no. a single person. Beyonce's great Tony solo. No. Jay-Z can, okay. you know. <laughs> but I love, love, love Ja Rule and Ashanti. I love them so much. Also, Aaliyah, like I remember, um, so I wrote my first poem after, you know, Aaliyah had that song, Four Page Letter. 
I wrote my first poem. <laughs> so, so this boy. Great. You're doing great. <laughs> um, so I wrote like my first poem after listening to that song on repeat over and over again um, to this to this like boy that I thought I was in love with in seventh grade. And um, yeah, so I love. I loved 3LW. Okay. I just have really basic music taste, yeah. like at that point, you know? And I loved Pink too. I thought Pink was great. I love Christina Aguilera. Like, mm. it just kind of was like. I really liked Robin. Robin got me through oh, some wow, like yeah. really nasty. Like, I was a drunk in college. <laughs> I was such a drunk in college. I remember me showing up to like a body movement final because I was a theater person. <laughs> <laughs> Like, super wasted, and I, like, you know, walked out of class and uh, challenged some guy in stage combat to a duel, and they got, like, carried out of the building. Robin reminds me of like bad thoughts. I'm a much like, better person in terms of my alcohol intake now. But like Robin was like bad decisions, bad decisions, mm-hmm. all the bad decisions. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shouldn't I share that? No, that's great. I'm really glad <laughs> to know that. <laughs> it runs in my family, by the way. But we're good now. Learning a lot about each other here yeah. right now. This is safe space. You know? It's fine. Also, Sam and I are always, like, the like at certain parties, we're always the last people there so drunk. Like, this is, like, <laughs> what has been mine and Sam's last year is, like... Every HBO party we go to, we're the last people there, and we're crying at a table. It's very drunk. <laughs> very, very drunk. And last at certain parties. <laughs> really what I meant with all the HBO parties. We're, like, the drunkest. We peed outside. What was that? Yeah. That was... And Fati, like, covered me with her I dress. I had a cape dress. <laughs> yeah, peed on the street while we were waiting for our Uber really as the last people at this party. Drunk. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you thought that was fun. Wait till our show comes out. <laughs> My best friend in elementary school, I've, I've had the same best friend since I was like three years old. Oh, wow. But in, we were in, when we were in like fourth grade, we'd already been through a lot together by fourth grade since I knew him since I was three. But I remember we were at recess one time and I really had to pee. And I was like, dude, I got to pee so bad right now. <laughs> And I mean, like I could have just walked inside, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. but that would take away from playtime. Right, you know what totally, I mean? That would totally, cut into the playtime. Yeah. And we, I grew up in like the suburbs in Texas, so there's like a lot of trees. So he was like, "Dude, just pee behind that tree, and I'll block you. I got you." So I was like, okay, cool. So I walked over to this tree, unzipped my pants, started peeing, and like his version of blocking me was just like literally just standing behind <laughs> me with his arms like this. Like, not blocking anything at all. Right, right. So you could just totally see that, like, a fourth grader was peeing on a tree, and 
I remember like this crowd gathered by no! me, and this teacher like ran over and was like, "Saman, what are you doing?" <laughs> and I was like, "Uh," she was like, "I like pulled up my pants." She was like, "Would your parents let you do this at home?" And I like had literally just peed in my front yard like three days before. <laughs> and you were like, Ab- "Yes." I was like, "Yes, absolutely." Absolutely. <laughs> I kind of love peeing outside. Yeah, like I really, green. I really love it yeah. actually. Yeah. I've seen this bitch. We were leaving a bar. <laughs> And I had just asked if I could use the bathroom. They were like, yeah, we'll keep oh, it open. Oh, I forgot about and this And then Fati oh, no. like, was like, waited for me. <laughs> and then when I came out of the bar, she peed on the side. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and it was like a busy street. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were like, I was like, why did you Like, I literally, like, squatted by a car and then just peed. And everybody was like, Fati, we can see you. And I was like, cool, cool. God, that's cool. <laughs> I'm just gonna, oh, just gonna pee. <laughs> Yeah, I really do love peeing outside. Yeah. When I was in college, I had a phase that I went through. I went to college in Austin, and like everyone lived in apartment buildings. And I just had this, I went through this phase where if I was over at your apartment late at night and I had to pee, I would like ask if I could pee off people's balcony. <laughs> You're trash. And yeah. I did it, I did it all the time. And it was so, it felt so good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no. Sorry. We're, I just wanted to make it like no, you was told you. the peeing outside. And yeah. so I just wanted to offer oh, one. Oh, yeah, more. you know, totally. Safe place. Safe, safe space. Yeah. I'm we'll sorry, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Back to Frank. Um, because uh, that was a great digression. I'm glad we did that together. Um, <laughs> you play Ivy? You want to play that song? <laughs> I do love that song. Uh, here we go. I thought that I was dreaming when you said you loved me. I was gonna be like, with who? And then she's like, oh, I, I know who. I was like mourning a friendship breakup when this song when, when I first yeah. heard this and it just felt like the right song even though it feels like a romantic song but it's like yeah, yeah but relationships yeah. do that you know yeah or it's like any relationship like can feel that way yeah breaking up with friends is so I've only had to do it <sighs> once truly once in my life and it was so hard yes yeah it, it was horrible. so hard <laughs> it's really painful yeah. yeah and we don't talk about it enough Everyone's like, when you're like someone's friend on TV, you're just a fr- like you're. A, it's not a really thought out yeah. character, not really. I think the le- the one show that I think really like explored friendship in a really cool way, besides Atlanta at certain points, uh, was Grey's Anatomy when Sandra O oh and Meredith Grey, like that whole friendship and how that was like super complex and like like they were each other's worlds no matter what guys and stuff came in and out and that seemed to me to be the, mo- the strongest relationship um, and the most complex in the series mm-hmm. I love Grey's Anatomy yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's okay yeah alright you can like Grey's Anatomy I, one thing I really like about Frank is um, he just makes cussing sound so beautiful yeah, <laughs> yeah. like him and D'Angelo D'Angelo makes it sound so good uh 
who who else do y'all think is good at cussing? I mean, Rihanna. Yeah, Ooh. I love when Rihanna. Yeah. yeah, she's so good. Like I believe it when she cusses. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I like the way Beyonce says bitch. I, yeah. When Beyonce <laughs> does. she gives like, she almost puts a little too much on it, but I, I'm into it 100%. I feel the Texas coming out of her yeah. when she says bitch. It's also like rare for Beyonce to cuss. So when she does, it's like, you know, yeah. we all get a little excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The first time I heard uh, Don't Hurt Yourself, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. I like, my chair almost like knocked over. Mm-hmm. Also, um, Solange has the pretty, the prettiest way of singing nigga I've ever heard. Right. I'm trying to think about other people who, who I feel that way. I remember I watched Straight Outta Compton with my dad. My dad has since like gotten into rap music, but for a long time he didn't. And it was like very cliche. It was because of language. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember watching Straight Out of Compton with him, and uh, it's like the fuck the police scene where they show mm-hmm. like all the brutality, and then them going in the studio. And I, I had always like, and my dad especially never really liked that song. And for him to have grown up in Palestine, I like, I never understood why he didn't relate to that. Mm-hmm. I was like, that should be like you're the first yeah, rap probably. song that you mm-hmm. relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember watching that scene with him and then like the song like comes on in the movie and he, that was like when he finally got it. He was like, he was like, Oh, he was like, I was like, what else could you say about that? Mm -hmm. Like you have to cuss in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I was good on my own. That's the way it was. That's the way it was. He was good on the low for a fatty fuck. I'm so fading love. Shit, what the fuck you complaining for? Feeling jaded up. Used to trip off that shit, I was kicking to you. Had some fun on the run, though, I'll give it to you, but baby. Don't get it twisted. You was just another nigga on the hit list. Trying to fix any issues with a bad bitch. Jealous on a chopping screen music? Not often. Houston. I mean, I'm definitely biased because that's. <laughs> but the Chopin Street version of Nike's is so good because, like, his voice is pitched up in the song, and so it's like almost like a. It's almost like a. Re- almost sounds like a regular. Almost sounds like normal Frank voice. Hmm. But I listen to this stuff all the time. Just like you, just like me. I don't, I don't play. I don't make time. I think Fatima mentioned Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Yeah, I mean, well, I think that there's like all these ways and I listen to music very weirdly like I listen to it in a way where like I I, it's obsessive like I will find an entry point into an album if I listen to an album all the way through or whatever and I'm like okay I'm not really or like I like it but whatever Mm -hmm. then then I don't really like the music but if I like listen to an album and then there's like an entry point where I'm like oh this is my song like I'll listen to that song over and over and over again and then I'll keep listening to the album I'll cycle through the album and then I'll find a different song that Mm -hmm. I do that too and um, it's kind of like a way of 
and I, I can tell how much I love an album by how long I stay with it or how many right. of the songs on it I do that to. Um, but I just think Amy Winehouse has a really beautiful voice. And um, uh, again, I was going through kind of like a, a pretty end, an end of a pretty shitty relationship when I was listening to that. And so it was um, and it was the thing where like the person the person I had been with loved that album. Um, mm. And. I, it kind of was like the fuel f- for me after, uh, which is strange because I think usually, right. I you know you would think that I would be like I don't want like to disassociate with yeah it. I don't want to deal with that but um, but it was like I just listened to that on on loop over and over again and mm-hmm. I was listening to that as I was reading uh, Toni Morrison's jazz oh, and wow. it was like perfect I, very very good. Um, they very much complemented each other um, in terms of like emotional emotion and feeling. So I kind of think of those those three things together. And recently, actually, I, I recently re-listened to um, that album um, like a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh yeah, like there was a period of my life where I, I I listened like this was always on repeat, and I just never stopped listening to it. Yeah. Do you like that album? I do like that album. Yeah, I don't. I feel like I didn't really get to her until later because I'm super late on music. Uh, but yeah, once I like did, I played it on repeat. It's like that, and we got it on vinyl. What kind of fuckery is this? You made me miss the slick wicked. And I didn't love you when. I mean, I think like both Baduism and the miseducation of Lauren Hill were like super important to me because specifically the Lauren Hill one because I thought she, I did not think I was attractive when I was yet like a little girl. I thought like mm-hmm. my skin made me look ugly or like I had all these complex with colorism and Lauren Hill to me was the most beautiful woman mm-hmm. ever and she like kind of looked like her in my head. So right. I was like, oh, that. So not only was like I a fan of her aesthetic but like everything she did could do no wrong so when she went away it was like <laughs> very painful mm. um for me but like I, I I've loved Lauren Hill's music I love also love anytime like Lauren Hill writes for everybody and um she's got this song I think she wrote for like Aretha Franklin a rose is still a rose because a rose it's still a rose. It's like just crying. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, and then Erica Badu, because like she felt like music that was like bad. Mm-hmm. And like if that was going on, it felt like some grown folk shit was going on too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we learned how to be grown from Erica. Badu. Yeah, exactly. Like Tyrone. That's such. Oh that my god. Yeah, like, that's a great song. Such, oh, or, um, my eyes are green. Green eyes. Something like that. That's not like it's such a good. That's a good album. That's a great album. Exes. No, no, exes is one now. But um. I'm just like looking at the soundtrack. I don't remember the words. What's the one about her? He's like, I know you got a man and all. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have a personal relationship with that song. <laughs> it like, opens up with like a word, and she's like, "Well, I'm in a situation, but and they're like they're talking to each other." Oh my god! Oh, what am I supposed? Oh yeah, to yeah, yeah. That's yes. the one. Yes, that's a great. Song. That's a great song. That is a great song. Yeah. No, 
next lifetime. I guess I'll see you. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I know, oh. right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need I need to see her not in like a big concert scenario. Like this needs to be like at a lounge. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Like I need to be sitting on a couch. It feels like um, Love Jones era, the mm-hmm. movie Love Jones. Like, yeah. I don't feel like there's a lot of musicians that come up in like lounge singing anymore. Right. And that's like kind of sad. Yeah, weren't we talking about this when you yeah. were you were talking about how like um, talking about how how there kind of feels to be like a loneliness amongst a lot of creators that are, you know, our age and, and stuff, or maybe even a little bit younger. And um, I feel like you were saying that, like, there's been a few, like, music spots in chi- Chicago that have closed down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Danny's is always trying to get uh, shut down. I don't know if mm. it's up. But, like, there's a the places where you could see someone in a small, like, venue, mm-hmm. I feel like are getting uh, smaller and smaller, whereas Chicago used to be, like, this huge music town. Um, yeah. And I mean, it is, it but is. we're holding out. We're like holding on for venues, I think. Um, right. And a lot of those connections now happen like on social media, yeah. whereas like they used to kind of more happen like because you'd be at like these places, yeah. um, which is just like an interesting dynamic. I think that is happening amongst our generation is like a lot more collaboration kind of comes from hitting someone up in the DMs. Yeah. yeah. Versus like just like being at in the same at the same place. I feel like we're right on. We're age-wise like right on the cusp of that where we're like still have so many connections from being like oh these are places we go but like mm. increasingly i don't i don't know if that is still happening as yeah. much a lot of my first big like interviews happened because of twitter like mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of so i definitely relate to that like mm-hmm. yeah i would just hit people up like, i think it's great mm-hmm. it's amazing like, yeah I, I think that's super cool i mean i have I have such, I think I have a complicated, I think we all have complicated relationships with social media. Mm-hmm. But I also know that one of the factors into why I can be doing what I'm doing now is because I, totally. like, using social media and platforms like Vimeo mm-hmm. allowed me to get my work out there um, in a way that, like, is really hard to do mm-hmm. in film. Um, and so, like, I'm also very, I was, like, at a face, I went to Facebook and had a meeting with them and we were talking about, like, what they're doing with their TV like department now, and I'm like, yeah, man, I used to like put my web series on my Facebook page and get like thought like it's so weird now that like they're catching up to us in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have done that. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. We can cut it out. We can cut it out. Okay. I saw both of you guys. No, everyone's fine. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I I do think that, yeah, like, we would not have had Brown Girls without social media, right? Like, we couldn't have made, we couldn't have had anything, like, the crowdfunding to Mm -hmm. the kind of press that we got and stuff like that. And then also, though, I think that social media sometimes is a place where there's not a lot of empathy, and I hope for more empathy in in those spaces, you know, um, in terms of just, like, letting people, you know, it can become really, like, really mean really quickly yeah. and, and kind of like alternates to bullying and I'm like or like it could be just like internet bullying and I, and I think that but it can also be really beautiful in the space of connection and so I, I, I like value social media for that for like the space of connection versus the kind of the other kind of stuff that can come up there I feel like it used to be much like in the early days of Twitter it was like everyone was 
everyone was treating each other. Everyone was reaching, like, it was cool to, like, reach out to people that you admired. And now I feel like, no, I don't know. I feel like no one does that anymore. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just following the wrong people, but. No. No, I also, I also think that in the early days of Twitter, like, you kind of interacted with even your friends and people, kind of like a text exchange, right? Like, it was like, oh, like, what are you doing? Where are you at? Like, and there was a lot of kind of ways that it felt a little more, like, organic. And now it's like a, it feels like, branding and platform and totally like, like you know like kind of like a, a it's a it's a different thing than it was in 2012 yeah i didn't get on twitter till like 2015 so and i just started using it when brown girls <laughs> so i'm still f- figuring it out like i tweet in all lowercase now you know what i mean yeah i do that part too. of my brand yeah yeah and i feel like an extra space in <laughs> do you follow me if you follow me you would know that I don't follow you. Should I follow you? <laughs> I, I didn't want like I felt like I felt like if I followed y'all before this interview happened because I had I had seen the series already, <laughs> but I felt like it's a, a similar thing I do with with anyone I try to work with is I don't want to like super fan out. So oh, I feel like it's better no, if I don't. No, that wouldn't happen. All we okay. do is talk about poop. Why she hasn't sent me her book yet? And <laughs> I don't know anything about uh, what's that actor whose name that I really like guy from Jurassic Park. Oh, uh... Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and yeah. And Rihanna. And I feel like we just, like, tweet memes at each other. That's, like, our yeah. Twitter. So you're missing out I on a totally lot. I could totally get into that. <laughs> yeah. I love a meme. I've sent memes before. Yeah. I don't actually know how to use memes. I just retweet memes because I think they're funny. But I don't know how to, like... You don't have to make one. You can just Google them. No, but even, like, in my text threads and stuff, like, mm-hmm. I don't insert memes or... And oh, I don't, you, you know should. what I mean? Because I just don't know how to. I really I'm want show you. you to become... Like, I want that to be one of your skills. Like, yeah. I feel well, like... we got to work on it. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. like, a, a deep thing yeah, I don't yeah. do. I'm going to show you. Because they're fun. <laughs> <laughs> you should do this We believe yourself. in you. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you. I, I need that. I need that. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you all so much for talking with me about Frank Ocean. Oh, thank you for Yeah, thanks for having us. us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this We're was super excited to yeah. be here. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. If you think of another song like later on down the road, just come back. Awesome. And we'll oh, just yeah. talk about it. Hopefully yeah. we'll have a lot more memories together. Yeah. 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 Like Go out and make some memories. Yeah. 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 And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's remember things. Going Could be good. All you all you want is Nike at the red rails Just like you just just like me I don't I don't play I'm still really amazed at how smooth that conversation flowed for us having never spoken before. I appreciate Sam and Fatima for giving me that energy. Let this conversation be proof of the way that Frank Ocean's music brings people together. As we mentioned in the episode, there's this quality to Frank's voice that feels instantly nostalgic. I mean, he literally has a whole tape called Nostalgia Ultra, so I think he's well aware of that. It's the same quality that Drake's music often has, except with Frank, the tone is usually melancholy, whereas with Drake, the tone is much lighter and happier. And for that reason, I want to say, Frank, if you're listening, please come on and tell a story or two with us, please. But I digress. Sam, Fatima, thank you for reminiscing with us, for getting vulnerable with us, and for laughing. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Nostalgia Mixtape. I'm your host, Samantha Shrawi. This podcast, as always, is produced by Jason Crow.
when you met me, I was 3-6, Pimp C, Bun B, A-Ball, and MJG, but we're both a long way from home. We got the windows down, radios on, all way. I wrote a letter to the sky saying maybe one day you'll get to kiss me. Girl found it in the car, said, baby, why you trying to kiss me, kiss me, kiss me? Cause you know you're my baby, oh, you know you're my baby, ooh. I'm not just in it for the ride, in it for the ride.